0: I'm Josh Barrow.
1: And I'm Lynette Lopez. And this is Hard past. I want to tell you about something ridiculous. Are you ready to hear it? Oh, yes. <laughs> well, Greenwich, Connecticut is about to get a lovely new gas station. But, unfortunately, neither you nor I will be able to go.
0: Because I don't own a car?
1: Because we don't have $50 million in our households. Guess Corp is a company who is doing this, and they are creating these things called GP Clubs. The first GP Club is a gas station that is going to be built in Greenwich, Connecticut, and it will serve only the mass affluent.
0: This is a membership gas station, right? right? You have to join the gas station. Yes. And this is not like the like Chevron Club where they give you a discount after you know every 100 gallons of gas you buy. It's you like, get
1: a free piece of pizza? No.
0: When I read the articles about this, and this is a thing that was a thing people sent around and laughed about on the web because ha ha a luxury gas station you have to join but this thing it's not really a gas station from the way i read it it is it is a private club that provides a variety of services one of which is that they will fill up your car with gas while you park there to go to the restaurant or whatever
1: i mean this is an entire auto experience if you're getting 24-hour roadside support it seems clear to me is that people with money are finding it more and more normal to never have to hang out with people who don't have money you don't even have to go pump your gas with poor people anymore. That's how stratified our social classes are becoming. And America has always been the kind of country that recognizes that it's racist but doesn't recognize that it's classist. And we've been forced to confront that in the last couple of years since the financial crisis. But I don't think we're necessarily confronting it in the way where we're like, hmm, we're going to fix this. No. Instead, we're coming up with gas stations – that tell poor people you can't even come and get a fucking pack of Skittles in here. I
0: believe the broad form of the trend you're describing, there is increasing residential segregation by income. Increasingly, rich people live in enclaves surrounded just by other rich people. Greenwich, Connecticut is certainly an example of this. But it's not even
1: just that. For example, airplane sharing. There are all these companies, NetJets, etc., that make it so that very rich people don't have to get on commercial airplanes anymore. What is more disgusting and humanizing than having to stand in line to get on an airplane? We've created a sharing economy where rich people can share with themselves, but not anyone else.
0: That's interesting. There's this company called Wheels Up that does it. In a way, it's similar to NetJets, but you're not renting the whole plane. It's taking plane sharing another level where if the jet seats six, they'll put up to six people on it. And it might be you and like five other people who are members of the thing. But the other people who are members of this semi-private jet-sharing club are also probably fancy people like you.
1: Yes, and that's okay.
0: But I still don't buy that this extends to the need to have private gas stations. Because, first of all, if you're a very rich person, and if you have a net worth of $50 million, you are very rich. You are not the mass affluent. The mass affluent is like people with between $100,000 and a $1 million in their brokerage account. Oh. Um, if you're that rich and you hate going to the gas station that much... You can have a chauffeur. They don't need a country club with no golf course so that their car can get filled up with gas without
1: them having to see the gas pump. But what about conference rooms outside your home but also not at your office? What the hell is that? One of the great benefits, I suppose, from being in the $50 million gas station club is the fact that you can bring your friends who are only worth $40 million and, like, have a steak in the restaurant, I guess.
0: Well, that's what... I mean, it feels like that's what people use Soho House for in New York. You're always bringing your friends who are not members to show off so- Soho House. And I'm not a member, but I like going there every so often. And it's cool when people are like, hey, come with me for drinks at Soho House. But I find something interesting about the Soho House model for this versus other private clubs. Uh, when I moved to New York, I joined the Harvard Club. Um, did you know I, go- I went to Harvard?
1: I'm sorry, I blacked out. I, I
0: went to Harvard. Um,
1: I still blacked out.
0: So when I moved to New York, I joined the Harvard Club. But so if you, if you bring your guest for dinner at the Harvard Club... They just bring you a slip that you sign, and they add it to your account. If you bring a guest, you have to pay for dinner. There's no way to go Dutch with your guest. There's no way for your guest to pick up the tab for dinner other than to hand you a wad of cash to offset what the club will charge you. At Soho House, when the bill comes, they process your credit card like it's any restaurant. So people are bringing their guests to Soho House and not even treating them to drinks or dinner which is a shift in the private club economy. You can bring your friends to the private club to show off your private club without even having to go to the trouble of paying for their meal that you're showing off for them at the private club.
1: That's also funny to me because when I started clubbing in New York, it was all about the velvet rope, it was all about whether or not you were cool enough to get in or had enough money. And now clubbing in New York has completely changed. I mean, if you go to the big clubs, it's all about, can you pay this entry fee? Yeah, you can get bottles if you want to, but as long as you don't look completely ridiculous, you're totally fine Go in and dance. That was a result of the financial crisis. But it seems now we're heading back towards the shift where arbitrary gates, cool. Can you pay for it? Get in here. Velvet Ropes, we love them. We're going back there.
0: I think this is actually very closely connected between these private social clubs and the nightclubs, where there's a short-term, long-term trade-off when you're managing these. Because if you throw the doors open to anybody who's willing to pay a big enough bill, uh, then you can generate a lot of revenue initially. But it hurts... The brand of your club. People want to feel like they're somewhere that not everybody's allowed to go. They they want to feel like they got in somewhere because they were cool, not just because they paid a big bill. So you can do that for a time, but then eventually people stop wanting to come to your nightclub because it's not the cool place to be seen. The same thing happened with Soho House, where they actually had a membership purge in New York. Soho House is supposed... No, they had
1: it... Internationally,
0: Soho House is supposed to be a club for people in the creative industry. That's broadly defined, but the sense had been that there were too many douchebags at Soho House. And so you have all these bankers with green money willing to pay nearly $3,000 a year to be members of Soho House and being told, no, we don't want your money anymore. Get out. And that, again, is a long-term play. You're giving up some revenue, but it allows you to do something that you think strengthens your brand and will allow you to charge more over the long run. In order to create a sense of exclusivity that's not purely about money, you actually have to exclude some people who have money that they're willing to give you. So that's the that's the trade-off you have to play.
1: Whereas this gas station is just going to be gauche as shit. <laughs>
0: Hard Pass is produced by Ben Riskin. Our cover art is by John Fulton, and the music you are hearing is by Aaron Leader.